0: Are you ready for this, the word this morning? Yes. Hallelujah. So I've been going, and we've been, obviously our theme, our, our year theme is the year of God's goodness. And you step into that, and I am doing our, our fifth memorial service this, evening, this afternoon. So, um, and we got the Ukraine and Russia, and here you are preaching on God's goodness, Rod. What is Wrong with this picture. I just wanna tell you, in the midst of hell, even in the midst of the the Holocaust, God is still good. Because I tell you what, if you have him in your corner, you can go through some incredible fires. You can go through incredible challenges. When we are told how to, as a church, to support the Ukraine and the Russia Russia deal is to pray for the Christians because if the light comes, darkness has to flee. When, so we need to pray for the Christians and, and that. So there is goodness happening all around us. And so... We've spoken about um, the the principle of first things first, and then we sp- we spoke about God has gifted us, uh, the goodness of God has gifted us, and so I've di- dived into a series called that uh, the, that uh, Jesus and. Enc- uh, his encounter, his, um, the encountering goodness of God is, is, is something that we, we just need to experience. And so I tackled John, Gospel, uh, Apostle John, and, and, and spoke about how he, he was known as the, the son of thunder and uh, how he became the disciple or the apostle of love. And so we saw that. And last week I tackled um, the, the, that, that Jesus was a guest at, um, at a wedding. And so we talk about um, the first miracle and the first sign and how John listed it as the first sign of seven signs that Jesus was going to. So t- today what am i gonna talk about, I'm gonna be talking about um, Jesus encountering the Samaritan. And I really want us to just unpack that today and hope that you receive richness from that but let me just pray and just ask God to prepare our hearts and just just allow our hearts to be ready so father thank you your word is always rich it's just got this richness that keeps every time we open it is fresh and it it's 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 such living water to our soul and so as uh, we 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 look at it today we thank you that you give us eyes to see ears to hear what your spirit is saying and so that will father we may jump in and engage and enjoy it so the record of this uh, Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman is in John chapter 4 and so we'll we'll start reading the very first verse and so John uh, the, the verse 3 it says so Jesus left Judea and returned to Judea and he had to go through Samaria on the way so that's kind of the map, and I kind of had these ideas that they oh yeah they just walked to Galilee and then they just walked here and they just walked there. That's, that was that was that first stop was like 35 miles of walking, and then they got another 35 miles to where he was actually going. And so you got to realize how long does it take you to walk 35 miles? But I, I don't know you can answer that because you haven't done that for a while, have you? I I ran a, a comrade's marathon which is 55 miles, and I know how long that takes when you run a marathon like that. But um, and so I don't know how fast Jesus walked, but this this is the story he was he had to go to Samaria, and so there was different ways that the the Jewish people would go they would mostly scoot around Samaria because Samaria wasn't a a, a light place and so but here it says yeah." There was, he had to go through Samaria. And you're thinking, what, why did he have to go through Samaria? But I kind of sense that Holy Spirit says, I have an assignment for you in Samaria, and I really need you to go there. And we need to be people that are aware and have our antennas up about Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit is always prod, prod, prodding you, uh, uh, leading you directing you and 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 prompting you and so Paul wanted to go and preach he wanted to preach everywhere and so he wanted to go to Asia and and the Holy Spirit forbid him to go to Asia because timing is important it's important uh, in the light of what I'm going to share today that you understand that sometimes a fruit is not ready to be picked and if you try and pick it yes you can pull it off and break it off but you don't get the results. But a fruit that's ripe comes off, comes off the plant very easily. And so here Jesus gets led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And so you would realize that here we have these leadings by the Holy Spirit. And again, here in the story, we're having Jesus not going around Samaria, but going, going through Samaria. And we pick it up in verse 5. And eventually, he came to a Samaritan village of Sakar near the field that Jacob gave to his son. Joseph Jacob well uh, well was there and Jesus tired from the long walk sat wearily beside the well uh, uh, about noon soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her please give me a drink there's an encounter that Jesus has with this with the Samaritan and he engages with her and I want to draw from the story how Jesus teaches us to engage with people so that they may have an encounter with Jesus. You don't want them to have an encounter with you, but you want to have an encounter with the Jesus that you know. As I just say this as a sideline. Many people say, you need to come to our church. You need to come to church. No, you need to do your best to make them encounter Jesus. And then when they've encountered Jesus, say, let me just tell you about the family that Jesus has. And then say, I've got this church, It's a great church in Flagler Beach. That you need to come and uh, come in and experience the, the family of Jesus. And so we need to, to, to glean from this and, and, and see how we can guide people to Christ and how we can lead them to Jesus. And so um, sometimes you never get the opportunity to actually lead them in, this, in the prayer of salvation. But I've come to people that have had this bad, bad experience with God or this bad uh, understanding or this religious idea, and I engage in the conversation and bring them to diffuse them so that they would have a heart that's open to him, and they'll be able to say, no, I, maybe I don't hate him that much now. What I've done is I've brought him closer to salvation. That's what we've got to do, that when we've left them, we've brought them closer to the, the, the Christ we love. Because we've diffused them, we've taken some of the religious glasses off, and, and so, so suddenly they go from hate to hearing, and then from hearing to hope. And, then, and, and guess what? Then they walk into coastal, and I just innocently lead, the, lead, lead everybody in the prayer of salvation at the end, and they respond. But meantime, you spoke to them, and then somebody else spoke to them, and they all brought them to a place to where they said, man... This Jesus is a great deal. And so that's how we bring them. So we want to learn from, from Jesus' talking here how to bring them to salvation. So there's, there's two lessons. The first lesson has three, three thoughts, three points. And, and it says, first one, when you put it up like that before I get there. Like, what are you leading us to here? Don't argue. Don't argue. When you, you, when you come to a place when you're engaging people, don't argue. <laughs> we live in a time where people don't tolerate difference. My goodness, if you're different, you're instantly hated. You're instantly you're of another camp, or you're not, there's no camaraderie there. It's just the, the horrible era we find ourselves. You, we, we, we need to be able to um, agree to disagree and be happy about it. I mean, okay, that's fine. You say that's orange, and I say that's pink, so that's fine. Um, Yeah, and most of the time I get the colors wrong anyway, but we're living in a a world that that there is an unseen and a seen world that is causing havoc on planet earth. And we got naysayers and the demonic and we got to be aware of that because when we're engaging in a conversation, you realize that that the, the enemy, the spirit is just pushing us and pushing our arguments and, 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 and aggression like you've never seen before. In Ephesians 6.12, it says, we, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this, in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, Paul's talking about a realm that we kind of in the West poo-poo at. Hiya everything one plus one must equal two in the Western world. But I wanna tell you that this is a spiritual world that influences people. Affects people's, affects their temperaments, forces, and powers that influence thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. And we need to be aware of that. They get into the, they've the, 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 got this power to, to get into the media and totally bewitch us. And you're absolutely persuaded that that stuff that's coming out that, 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 that flat screen is absolutely truth and nothing but the truth. Meantime, they are being used by the enemy to grab this nation by the nose and drag them any way they want. And we've got to be aware of it. We've got to be aware of it. And so we need to understand that there are influences, there's leaders that have influences. I tell you what, there is demonic forces that are driving certain leadership um, in in Russia and stuff that you've got to understand that we are in a war. And as soon as you realize that, you can step back from a conversation when you're having with somebody and realize sometimes evil forces are really just at work and bewitching people. And so we we find them that that we can be vessels of, of blessing, but we can also be, vessels where we um, uh, bind and blind and deceive people because yeah Peter he just talked to Jesus and says you're the Christ the son of the most uh, of the living God and he says flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you but my father in heaven three verses later he gets in the way of Jesus because Jesus says listen I have to go to the cross and die and he says no not a chance And, and what does he say hey Peter Satan get behind me don't get him in the direction I have to go and so you see here that there are forces. And here uh, we understand here in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. And I put in bracket there, and also those who believe. Because we've got some believers that are absolutely butchered, are totally comp- uh, are sucked in by all the stuff that's going around there. The best thing I ever did is stop watching the news as soon as COVID started. Yeah. Set me free. I don't know what's happening out there. I get the highlights and stuff, so I'm not totally ignorant, but it's not bewitching me. It's not consuming my thoughts, my emotions, and, and, and my decision making. You can say what you like about the economy, but I'm, I'm with the king's economy, so you go on. You go and wrestle with, with the economy. I'm outside of that. I'm not even going to fuss with that stuff because I'm, I'm a king's kid. So, the one tool of division is arguments. And I will tell you what, and so no, Jesus refuses to argue. He never was drawn into any argument while he walked on planet earth. Something that you need to observe. He was firm and aggressive against the religious guys, but he never went into an argument. And even when he was in the wilderness and the devil came to him and he says, if you're the son of God, then turn these stones so they become loaves of bread. And he didn't say, hey, I am, and to have a big fat argument because he knew he was the son of God. He just said it's written. That's all he said. It's written. He had a way. So three arguments to avoid. One, race. Race. Have a look at, her, at the at the woman. The woman was surprised, for the Jew refused. The Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. She said to Jesus, "You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me to drink for a drink?" See, the Jews had centuries of dislike against the Samaritans. Because when they were exiled up north, those kings up there sent a whole lot of heathens and pagans to come and live in this land. And they didn't clean it all out when they came to reoccupy it. So the whole Samaria had a, a mixed bag of, 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 of pagan worshippers as well as uh, Yahweh worshippers. And so you had this whole mixback. bag. So they were, they were called mixed breeds. And so they weren't, were not liked. And, and was, Samaria, uh, Samaria was the, the northern state, where, which was called Israel. And Al-K- Judah was the, 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 southern, uh, the southern kingdom. And, um, and that's where David was in rule. And so here we have this, 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 uh, this, this rival, this racial rival. But she also brings up, there's a division. And she says, I'm a Samaritan. And she brought up the gender issue. I want you to have into, uh, we're, we're having a video replay here on planet Earth. But you have this. I mean, so when people say, you're from Africa, you don't look like you come from Africa. See, Africa's not a color. Yes. Okay. Africa's not a color. And they say, Florida. What national? I said, well, Florida comes in any color you want. You've got every color in the rainbow. It's nothing to do with color. It's there's a whole cultural thing. And so we've got to get understand. We've got to look at the value of people. That's in, if you don't get that right, then you're going to have a gender issue, and you're going to have, have a, a, a race issue. And so we, we know, uh, so Jesus didn't argue, didn't defend, didn't disagree. That was true. Race is a man-made barrier. It's a man-made barrier. God didn't make a, ra- make, a, make a race issue. But that's why Paul says, for in Christ we are all human beings. That takes, whether you've got a doctorate or whether you're a blue collar, a, a white collar, a pink collar, whatever you are, it doesn't matter. Because we're all humans and we're all the same in Christ. He leveled the playing field, my God. Jesus leveled the playing field. In Galatians 3, says, There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. For we are all one in Christ, Jesus. Jesus saw a soul of a person when he saw the Samaritan. That's what he saw. Bigots use evolution to say one race or one group has evolved better than another. And that they're, they're superior. Or well, I just know that my Bible says we are created in the image of God. And some of these Southern boys, just because I speak slow don't mean I'm stupid. All right, because you kind of, You judge a book by certain things. And so here we have it. Evolution is anti-constitutional. Why? Because we've been created equal. (laughs) That's what we say in our constitution. And so, um, but maybe women have evolved more than men because they are definitely a a lot smarter and sharper than us guys. So they got the edge, okay? And God did take a special more time to build them, form them. us, he just threw them out there. Us men, we, we, we just kind of just, and, and he formed the ladies, yeah. So don't argue about race, okay? The other thing is reason. We each have our own reason. And, uh, and we're able to discuss our, our reasons, but don't argue about our reasons. Here in, in verse 10, it says, here Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you. Now that should have stopped the woman in her tracks. She's got a gift coming. What gift have I not seen or what gift? Because a lady loves a gift, especially on her birthday. (laughs) Not only that, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, she replies, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? So yeah, Jesus is engaging with her in a spiritual conversation and straight away she changes it to a natural conversation because there's this, and sometimes when you're engaging in a spiritual conversation with somebody, they will always come back and have a comeback and in the natural. And you're talking about that Jesus wants everybody saved and they say, well, what about the Eskimos? (laughs) Who's preaching to the Eskimos out there? What happens if they die? Oh, how about the dinosaurs? What about the dinosaurs? Well, the jury's out in that one. Why do babies die? Huh? Where did God come from? So straight away, they throw all these things at you. Well, oh, guess what? I don't know. And you don't have to have all the answers when they throw these questions at you. You don't have to have all the answers. Church, you don't. But one thing I do know, I was riddled with guilt, rejected, had shame, I had sadness, and I had sorrow. And I met one who helped me, healed me, and now has guided me and loved me for 45 years. That would maybe perk your ears up. I don't know about the dinosaur, but I don't know. In my situation, that's where I was, and I met somebody that helped me. That'll perk up the interest, hey? Amen. Yeah. (laughs) This I know, I was once blind, but now I see. And that's what happens. Your testimony is one powerful thing. Don't underestimate it, because they can't argue against it. So don't argue about race or reason. And in case I forget, don't tear somebody's house down. Build a better house next door and invite them in. So you can always criticize and complain about why they believe amiss, and we can have our reasoning. Well, why don't you just build a better house in and just invite them and they can just leave their mess behind and come into a wonderful mansion. And so that the other thing you need to don't, don't get into arguments about is religion. Verse 20, it says, so tell me, this is the, the Samaritan. Why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our, our ancestors worshipped? I just want to pause there. When Jacob, gave, uh, when, when Jacob gave Joseph that piece of land, that area, they, they always found a mountain to worship, and that was the mountain. And there were Jesus, God-believing people those days before they got exiled. And so when they, their, their sons, um, Ephraim and Ma, uh, um, his other, other son, they, they worshipped at that mountain. And so that became a place where they worshipped. And he says, and Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Jesus navigated the answer to the question by diffusing the Jewish uh, superiority. He just diffused it because if he came in there and started defending that, she would just close up and because she has her opinion, she has her reason. And so, and so, So Jesus wanted all, and he wanted to let them know that he has come and that all will be invited into the kingdom of God. And it won't be here in Jerusalem or here on this mountain. It'll be whosoever, wherever, because he desired none should perish. Again, religion is a man-made barrier that is causing people not to see. And so we've got to get those glasses off people if they've got religious glasses or they have this religious bent. Religion was a man's attempt to reach God. Christianity is God's attempt to reach man. And so it's, it's, it's so different um, when we look at it like that. And so it's, it, it amazes me because Valerie says it many times to people that she's talked to. She says, I hate religion. And I look at her funny, says, but you're a pastor. Doesn't equate. Yeah, she says, yeah, I hate religion. I love relationship. That's what I got. And so here in Titus 3.9, it says here, and it covers these very three arguments. It says, do not involve in foolish discussion about spiritual pedigree, which is your, like a race, or uh, quarrels and fights, your reasoning, or obedience to the Jewish law, religion, because it don't, won't get you to open their hearts and allow the goodness of God to encounter them. And that's what we're trying to do. So the second lesson, which has a few points as well, it says, Don't argue is a first point. Second point, just talk. Most people just can't read your mind about your faith and what you believe. You've got to talk. And uh, so we need to understand that. Here in verse 7, and So the Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. Jesus wasn't sitting there and says, I am the Messiah. You need to serve me some water and especially a Samaritan, and especially a woman. No, he, you understand that he said in his own words, he says that, that Jesus came to, be, uh, to serve, not to be served. He wasn't there, but he was opening a conversation with her, and we need to find a way of opening a conversation. And all of us are able to open a conversation with somebody. We can. And, it, and we've got a bunch of guys in this church that have no problem doing it. We got we we got the Jerry's, we got the Daves, we got the Bryans from um, Wyoming. We we have the Caleb's, my neighbour. They've never met a stranger, never met a stranger. These guys, I mean, they chat to everybody, and so yeah, so we all know their favourite subject. I want to let you know, every one of us know the other person's favourite subject. What is that? It's about me, about them. You talk about them, and you ask them. You ask them about you. How's you? How are you? How's your family? How's your grand? Yeah, talk about grandchildren. Oh, your phone's out, and you got to show the grandchildren. Yeah. You got to show the kids. It, it, it just, it just. You can always open a conversation because they always want to talk about themselves. They always want to. And man, that's all you just need. That's all uh, the the guys are listed now. That's all they need, and they go in like a Rottweiler. They just <laughs> straight in, and and they start having no problem having a conversation. And so. So how can we bring people to Jesus if we don't talk to them? And here Jesus is giving us an example he just throws out. And so I, I want to give you a couple of hooks. Sam Bertha, I want to give you a couple of hooks to fish for men. Uh, you want a, the best fishermen in, in the house? Sam Bertha. You guys fishing with you? He'll blindfold you so you, you will not know all his secret spots where he'll take you. And he'll take the blindfold off when we get there, and then we'll start fishing. But man, that boy can hook fish. But I want you to be able to hook human lives. And the first hook is, you want to talk to him about abundant life? They are all ears. People want to hear about abundant life. And here in verse 10, Jesus replied, and if you knew the gift of God that God has for you. Remember, I spoke to you that God has gifted us that you you have a robe and you have a ring and you you have shoes. God has, he has, he says, if you know the gift I have for you. I mean, it it must have just, Jesus must have been so excited to deposit everything. He just wanted to tell them, but it obviously had to have it in its right time. And you, 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 uh, and you who are, uh, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. You have not because you ask not. Many of us don't have this living water. When life with peace and joy and healing and hope and purpose is offered, people listen. People want to hear that. They want to know what is it that you've got? What is the insight that you have? And when I was riddled with guilt and regret and shame and sadness and sorrow, I'm going to tell you, and I am now totally free and, and living, drinking of this water that he spoke about, I can talk confidently well, 41 years, I've walked with Jesus. Well, 44 years, I've walked with Jesus. 41 years, I've walked with Valerie. Hallelujah. So, and you bring your testimony of God's abundance and goodness to them. They're all here. And so here, Jesus is telling you, if you only know the gift that, I, that we have, God has for you, and if you know the gift that's standing in front of you, um, you, would, you would ask for living water. And so it's, uh, it's Jesus said that I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. You got to understand, God is wanting just to bless, and His encounter with you is to have, have, have you have an abundant life. Why? Because He wants you to be a, a resource, a source where you are the divine favor that prevents misfortune in the lives of others. I know, I know that right in the middle of, of our war in Zimbabwe and all that stuff, we needed to have people that had hope, had, uh, had, had words of encouragement, and, and could cheer us on because sometimes it just didn't go well. And so you need that because those that have life, can give you a positive, a positive it. You just have to hang around Valerie, no matter how dire the situation is. And I'll tell you what, in 41 years of marriage with her, we have been in some crazy dire straits and she will find something funny about it. Even when people have Alzheimer's says, well, you know, the good thing is you're meeting new people every day, (laughs) or you can hide your own Easter eggs. It's those kind of things she just throws out. And I think, Valerie, how did you think of that? And then Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Evelyn was concerned that she would come out of the, of the operation and, and, and not have a mind. So she, and Valerie said, oh, look at the bright side, and then gives her this scenario. You know? So it's, it's just those kind of things. But here again, he says, um, he's talking about, um, and, and the next, thing, uh, next hook you have is you talk about eternal life. I'm telling you what, people all know that we have an appointment with death. We have an appointment. What's on the other side of that? And if you, are un, un, you understand that eternal life's on the other side of it, man. And here in verse 13, it says, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon be, become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Last week, I spoke about um, these, those Yeti uh, stone pots, about when they put water in them at the, at the wedding and how they become this sparkling, amazing wine. And that's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be drinking of his living water. So when we're out there, we are these people that are energy bunnies for Jesus. And you just can't hold us down because we are supercharged. Why? Because it's not, a, it's, not a, it's not something in our imagination. It's alive and real in our lives. And my, what, what can stop me? You can get mad with me, shoot me, and I still win. I still win. Why? Because I have eternity. I have eternal life. And so yeah, people are, uh, everybody wants to understand because there's a spiritual void within us. And the, and the question of death is always there. How does it all end? And I've got to have that memorial service. I'm going to talk about the, what the Bible says to believers that have, when death comes what it's, and, and keep us understanding of eternity. And this, this is just a drop in the bucket what we're doing here. We're stepping into eternity. It's just fantastic and exciting. And so we need to be able to bring that. We can only present the best and God does the rest. And then when we bring this abundance to people, we do our best but we can't grab them and force them into the kingdom of God. I can just, man, I can be the best advertising board there can be. And that's what I want to be, the best advert for Jesus. How about sin? (laughs) Sin. Uh, People know that sin is hindering eternal life and sin is also hindering abundant life. And so it's there, it's real. It's the elephant in the room. And why can't you speak about it? Well, Jesus does. I mean, he has no qualms about it. And, he, and, God, and the conversation comes around to where, where, where he, that we're looking at it. You may think people don't want to talk about sin. And you don't beat people over about sin. People, sinners know that they're sinners. You don't have to tell them they're sinners. They know that they've missed the mark. They know that, they, that things are not right. They know that they, they've messed up. And so here in verse 16, Jesus says, go and get your husband. Oh, this is a setup. <laughs> Jesus told her, I don't have a husband. The woman, the, the woman replied. Jesus said, You're right. You don't have a husband, for you have five husbands. You've had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the one you're living with now. You, you certainly spoke the truth. <laughs> Sir, the woman said, You must be a prophet. I love that. <laughs> Man, I want to tell you, Holy Spirit, you must. You must be a prophet. I tell you, Holy Spirit can read our mail and just bring us to a place where, uh uh-uh, uh you know us better than we know ourselves. And here he does that. And Holy Spirit would drop some certain nuggets that you would maybe preempt the conversation and people would say, Yeah, God's got my number. He's dialed in. And here she is, a lady with multiple broken relationships in her story. And you can see why Jesus went straight to that place because Holy Spirit had her on her heart. But this, 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 this lady, she, firstly, she must have been attractive because, man, she had five husbands. She's on, on number six. She must be attractive. But she must be feisty and full of fight because I tell you, it's not easy to be a woman in that day. That day, is it, it's, it's tough because... After the first, first marriage, she would have been down and out in that culture. You're done. But she's got resilience, man. She went and married second, third, fourth, and fifth, and now she's reeling in number six. So, I mean, she, she's, she's, got, she's, she's got the gift of the gab or something, but she's got something. And so, and the other thing is that she comes at noon to get water. She comes at noon to get water. So firstly, that's just by herself. Now, that's really anti-woman. That's just not like what, what ladies do. They just don't do things by themselves, even going to the bathroom. At the restroom, we all have, okay. Us guys don't say, okay, well, you, got, you all want to go to the bathroom? No, I'll go by myself. Thank you very much. <laughs> hey, haven't you seen these? The, shall we go shopping? They want to go shopping, go to bathrooms together. They've got, they got all this together thing. And here this lady is coming and she's all by herself. This woman has been ostracized by the community and she's there at noon because that's not when they get water. They get water in the morning, they get water in the evening, you don't go there the heat of the day. And so she is also obviously, she's a threat to the other ladies. They may be going after my husband. I'm gonna stay, keep that woman away and we're not gonna hang around. Because that's what sin does guys. Sin does, it spoils, it spreads and it separates. That's what sin does. Sin just makes, causes us to miss the mark. And that sin is the thing that haunted me and caused me to search. And when I heard the good news, it was the greatest news I ever heard. Because my sister, I don't know what denomination she came from, but man, she could preach hellfire and brimstone at me and tell me I'm going to hell. The thing is, she never told me how I don't go to hell. I didn't know how to avoid that road, how I could get away from that. She just left me with the torment and the hauntedness of I am going to hell and I'm, I'm, I'm beat. That's what she left me with. And so when I walked into that school hall um, with, with the rest of all those schoolboys and listened to the gospel message for the first time, and I heard my Jesus paid the price for it all sin had been paid for, it's done and dusted. It's a relational deal now. Man, I was a happy camper. I just laid it all out there, and man, they made such a hoopla of me in that, that, that meeting. I think I must have been the only salvation they had that, that year. And so when, and here I am, this image schoolboy, you know, I'm, I'm a student leader. I've got this image, and I think the whole hall is putting their na- hand up because I've never heard such good news in my life. And they realize I'm the only one that put my hand up. And they pulled me in front and made such a hoopla of me. I died a thousand deaths, and, but I'm happy. Here I am. 44 45 years later and I'm still um, just impacted by that and just so sin is definitely something that it's there and if you read Romans 6 you realize sin has a power and you think oh no I can sort it out oh I can deal with this I can deal with it oh no tell you what sin has got a hook a bad hook in you and so you talk about it and you realize like a lemon tree, man, you hate the fruit, you pluck all the fruit off, but time comes to bear lemons again, it's going to uh, bear fruit, it's going to bear lemons again. So you can pluck the fruit off as much as you like. Until you change the root, there ain't going to be no change to the fruit. You've got to understand that until you get Jesus in there, there ain't going to be changing no fruit. And so that's what helped me. And if you just tell the people, guys, you, you can't change yourself. You've got to realize there's one that can come and help you and, and, and change you. And so Jesus was so gracious with her. He's so gentle with her. And so he, sp- he spoke those words and she was just am- amazed. So much so she dropped her bucket and ran into town. And because she was just so amazed. It's just like the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. I wonder what happened to the guy. But anyway, that guy, he didn't pitch up and, and go thrown in front. Of, and, and everybody walked away from the oldest to the youngest. When Jesus said he was without sin, cast the first stone. And the old boys had such a long list, they left first. And off they went. And then the, the young bucks eventually said, man, I, I've got a couple of things. I've also missed the mark on as well. And when it was just Jesus and her, he says, where's your accusers, lady? He says, none. he says, none. She says, and then I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. That's the kindness and the goodness of our God because that's what he came for. And so then the other hook is, you need to talk about Jesus and God as father. And that's what he does here in verse 21, 23 and 24. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, The time is coming when you no longer matter whether you worship the Father. You understand, Jesus is introducing to planet earth for the very first time that God, Yahweh, is Father. That is messing with them. When he teaches them to pray, our Father, he's talking family language here. And they they, they understand Yahweh, God, awesome, amazing, do not look, do not say the word, nothing. And here Jesus is introducing as Father. I know sometimes father is a bad word to some people because they've had a bad experience with father. But I want to just tell you with this theme that God is a good, good father. He is an amazing father. And so he'll worship the father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. The father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Need to be a great advert for God the Father. He's not this mean God that has a stick and wants to beat you up at every minute. Man, he understands. Just ruffles my hair and says, Rod, okay, get up, dust yourself up, give it another bash. Jesus paid for it all, the messes that you made and you're making and you will make. He's paid for it. So just get up and Keep trying. If you fall, fall forward. At least you gain ground. Okay? At least you gain ground. It's all about this. And this last hook let's talk relationship, not religion. Oh, my Lord. Stay away from that religion. And here in in, in verse 25, it says The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. What a shocker that must have been! Whoa! I think that's where she dropped her bucket and ran, because she had to tell somebody. It's so compelling, this good news. So compelling that you have to, you've got to tell somebody. You've got to, you've got to speak up. And so here's the Messiah. Good news: Jesus has come. Sin has been paid for. All mankind. And you know, there's some people are, are totally clueless that there is a Jesus. I've spoken to people and they said, I've never heard about Jesus. Who's this Jesus dude? There's some people. And if we don't talk, they won't know. And we've got to. And some people have heard of all sorts of things about Jesus. And we've got to be the good billboard for our Jesus. And so we can't be the yuck-yuck out there. We need to be models of his goodness. Some people are so bound, so without hope. We have to talk, church. We have to talk. We have to tell them they are so open today, you can't believe how open they are. Just try it and focus on the relationship. He wants to be your friend, he wants to be your leader, and he wants to be your forgiver. And so we need to do that. I end with a story about me working as a maintenance manager with Metro Cash and Carry. It's it's like the Sam Sam Clubs of, of America. And I had 17 branches that I had to look after and do the maintenance on, from refrigeration to forklifts to electrical to broken, broken uh, secretary chairs to... They would get me fix everything. And 17 managers, and I would always stop and have coffee with them. And, I, and some I would tell right off the bat about my life with Jesus. And then some on the last day that I worked with them before I left after four years, God opened the door and they said, before you leave, there's something that we need to ask you about your life. And I would be able to give them the gospel. But God gave me an opening and it wasn't all at once. Why? Because there's a certain time and a certain place when God will give you the opening and you must tour. But, but until then, keep bringing them along. Keep bringing them along. Don't let them see you throwing your toys, being angry, road rage and all that stuff. And then you stop and say, you know, Jesus loves you. No. Get out of here. You know, Barry Barry's Bible study, I love it because he throws out things like it. And he says, you know... The, 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 the great personally trained disciples came from town and the only thing they brought to Jesus was lunch. The woman, having been with Jesus only a few minutes, came back with the whole town. I love that. Barry, that just so, so powerfully impacted me. And here it says here in verse 29, she said to those, those people in the town, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did could he possibly be the, be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Church, we've got to be those living, those billboards that are fully persuaded, totally excited, understand that there's abundant life, eternal life, hey, sin is dealt with, and that man, God is our father, and we're not doing this as, as a religion. This is a relationship. I don't have to come here on Sunday morning. I get to come here Sunday mornings. I get to worship with everybody. It's just one of those lovely things. You can't, Understand how delightful it is to be able to have this opportunity. It's just wonderful and it's great. And in that note, don't argue, just talk. I thought that was a great picture, Valerie, when I looked at that. (laughs) Valerie, let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you that you, you teach us. And again, we see your son, Jesus, you're just teaching us again through the scriptures and seeing how you interacted with this this dear woman, that soul need to be touched, that that you needed to come in and touch her and give her living water and bring wholeness to our life. and, And you did. And it not only affected her, it affected that whole town. And Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're here today to work in us and through us to do the very same thing to our loved ones, to those that, that we work with, those that we see at, at fuel stations, at, at, at grocery stores, wherever we find them, Lord, at, our, at, this, at the ball field, at school, wherever we find them, Lord, that allow us and the opportunity to put the hook in of your goodness on your greatness and really help us, Lord. Let us be those conduits, those vessels, those, 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 um, those sources that people need Today, and we thank you for that, my God. But Father, I want to give the opportunity to those that have never responded, never invited you into their life and, and allowed you to be a father to them and Jesus to be the forgiver of their lives and Holy Spirit to lead them. And if that's you and the sound of my voice and those that are joining us that have been with us live stream, I just want to just tell you it's a prayer away. It's an invite because God doesn't come and bombard. He doesn't walk into your house and take over. He comes by invite. And so if you want to invite him into your life, Allow Him to take your hand and walk with you and fulfill your calling and your destiny because He designed you in a certain way to do a certain thing. And in that, it is, is your fulfillment. If that's you, we as a church are gonna pray out loud right now. And then you just pray along. But mean it with your heart because when He comes into your hearts, everything changes. Everything changes. And so Father, we thank you. So pray with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God, that you died on that cross for me, that you paid for all of man's sin, including mine, and today I say thank you. Today I receive you as my Lord, I invite you into my life, I thank you that you are the living water that fills me, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, hallelujah. If that, you're in the room and you prayed that prayer, grab that little connect card and say, Rod, I prayed. Because I, I want to shake your hand. I want to tell you, man, you've stepped into a family of believers, ooh, international family of believers all around the world that love this Jesus, That just, he's so good to us and he's so gentle and he's so kind and he leads us besides the water into pastures green because that's my Jesus my Jesus hallelujah so what is the message saying to us you understand why I'm preparing this the Holy Spirit's wrapping all over me I mean he's uh, pointing all sorts of things to me not condemning that's not perfectionism that's excellence I just want to be better next week than I was this last week what can I do what can I say how can I be a better billboard for you Jesus so Holy Spirit, we just bow for a moment. Speak to us. I know that you won't speak condemningly, but you'll encourage us, you'll cheer us on. And right now, every one of us will have an opportunity to talk this week. And we aim not to argue, but my God, we we'll aim to talk about your goodness, your abundance, your eternal life. Sin has paid for. God is our Father. Oh, and we have a relationship with you. I can call you Abba Father, Daddy Lord. Father, thank you that you help us, lead us. Be our great shepherd this week. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. While we're singing, I'll ask Fred just to close us in a song. If you have prayer requests, prayer needs, if you want us to stand in agreement with somebody that needs prayer, if you need oil, you need to be anointed with oil. We believe in that because the scripture says so, in James. Call the elders, anoint with oil. The prayer of faith will heal the sick. So come up here and we'll wait until the music stops because sometimes I can't hear when the music playing while I'm praying. And just be here. Just allow God to soak in you. And those that are standing up here, the leadership will come and we will stand and say, Yes, amen, and agree with you. Don't leave this place without prayer. But church you ain't over until you've said hi to a whole bunch of guys. Grab some coffee and um, I'll have to check you out before the memorial service at 3 o'clock. So, hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you, Fred.